Do you believe in courage? Would you describe yourself as courageous? We tend to think of other folks as courageous. Like James Shaw, the 29-year-old who ambushed the gunman in the Waffle House last Saturday night, who has repeatedly said in interviews, I'm not the hero, but everyone else seemed to think that he was. He says, I'm just a regular person who, in the blink of a second, acted to save lives. In his classic book, The Courage to Be, Paul Tillich recalls a conversation that he read in Plato where the characters are seeking to decide just what is courage. A military general certainly knows courage, but he's struggling in this dialogue to define what it is. And then he says, courage is knowledge of what is to be dreaded and dared. Certainly, every one of us has moments when we know what we dread and what we dare. There are moments when we want to be bold and daring, and yet there are moments when our feet are stuck in clay and our hearts are too reticent to leap forward and act on our convictions. Today, I want to suggest that there are four kinds of courage. You know, sometimes it takes courage just to get up and get out of bed in the morning, just to start the day. There are days when a heavy gloom hangs over you from the moment your eyes open. I remember about five years ago, I think it was exactly five years ago this week, when I had had a biopsy and was waiting for the results to come back. The doctor, they had said, would call me on Monday. And so by Monday, I just sat by the phone and watched it all day. It never rang. And so about five minutes after five, when I knew the doctor's office would be closed for the day, I thought, well, maybe they left a message. And so I went and checked the voicemail. And that's when I discovered that my landline had somehow shorted out and had not been working probably all day. I called the doctor's office first thing on Tuesday morning to give them my cell phone number until I could get my landline fixed. And all day I carried that cell phone around with me, waiting for the call, and I would pull it out and check it, and my hands would tremble while I waited for a message. Of course, I carried the phone into the ladies' room with me, and of course, I dropped it in the water. And then the doctor had no way to reach me. And so I didn't know that I was supposed to bring a friend when I went to the doctor's office. And when I finally showed up in the doctor's office, I sat alone on that awkward table crying when they told me it was malignant. I think of this kind of courage as forced courage, or maybe it's unintentional courage. You don't try for it, you don't muster it, it just shows up like a stray puppy to keep you company when you're just trying to muddle your way through life. A second kind of courage is more chosen or premeditated or it's decided. The kid sitting next to you at school is being bullied and you decide next time it happens, you're going to step in, you're gonna take up for him you're going to go out of your way to sit next to him in the lunchroom and tell him after school how cool you think he is. 
when I was in high school, I was one of those kids who was predictably extremely involved in the church activities and particularly in the regional state youth activities. And through those regional activities, I became very close to some of the pastors, some of the adult mentors who were leading us in the youth camps and retreats and conferences. And I remember there was this one summer when I walked around camp with my clipboard telling all the other campers what time free swim would start and what time small groups would begin. And one evening I was walking back to the girls' dormitory with a big group of kids and there were some adult sponsors walking with us. And suddenly, without warning, one of the adult sponsors, a young man, maybe in his early 30s, a pastor whom I had admired, shoved me into the bushes and kissed me. I told no one. I never saw him again. I never heard from him again. About 10 or 15 years later, I was working here at the church, and I noticed his name in a newsletter of regional churches. He had taken a position in the area. A few weeks passed, and he showed up here at the church. He came into my office, and he said, I'm sorry. I did something I shouldn't have done. I was wrong. I left the ministry. I went through counseling, and I want to ask, for your forgiveness. Yes, I said, yes. Knowing what bravery, what courage it took, what a risk it was for him to seek to make amends. In the book, The Courage to Love, William Sloan Coffin challenges each of us as Christians and all of us as a church to take risks. He says, it is not enough for us to be devout, but not daring. He writes, and I love this line, the goal is to die young as late as possible. <laughs> Jesus came to earth, you see, not just to show us what God is like, but to show us what we can be like. Jesus chose courage, and we can too. But then there's a third kind of courage. I'm gonna call this indirect courage. When I first came to Kansas City, there was a pastor at a nearby church named Albert Cole. He also helped to start Kingswood Manor, a retirement community out on Warnell. At that time, Albert's wife had severe Alzheimer's. Every day, Albert got her up dressed her in a beautiful suit, put her makeup on, fastened her pearls around her neck, and out they would go to meetings and events throughout the day. Some would say at that time, oh, that Albert, he's so courageous. But the truth was, Albert was in love. He loved his wife, and therefore, he behaved courageously. This, I believe, is the kind of love that we read about a moment ago in Romans 12. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. When we hold fast to what is good, then we are behaving courageously. But you, the goal 
is love. The Greek makes it more clear. The Greek says genuine love clings to the good. The scriptures are describing what happens when we love. All of what we read this morning is a description of what genuine love looks like. And for first and foremost, it leads to courage. You know, if these walls could talk, they would tell us the story of what happened here 50 years ago. 50 years ago this month, during Holy Week, Dr. Martin Luther King was shot on Thursday in Memphis. The following Tuesday was Tuesday of Holy Week, and it was the day of Dr. King's funeral. Students here in Kansas City high schools walked out of school and waged a protest because their schools had not been dismissed for Dr. King's funeral. In downtown Kansas City on Wednesday, an even larger protest took place. This time, the Kansas City police used tear gas. Even larger riots erupted. 1,700 guardsmen were called in to help the 700 police on duty in Kansas City. 991 folks were charged with criminal action. Entire blocks of businesses were set fire. And the mayor of Kansas City set a curfew for all Kansas Cityans. Six lives were lost, including a 12-year-old. Can you even imagine what church felt like on that Easter Sunday? Well, the following Sunday, Dr. Bash, our senior minister, preached a sermon called, Where Do We Go From Here? I suspect it was a difficult moment. Many thought that race relations in Kansas City were going along quite well, but trouble simmered under the surface. For others, progress seemed far too slow on issues like mortgage lending and integration of neighborhoods and public services. At the time of those riots here in Kansas City, the chief of police, the city manager, and the mayor were all members of this congregation. Two of them always sat right there in the balcony. Don't know where Dr. Cookingham sat because he was already living in Kingswood by the time I came. Dr. Bash called upon the congregation in that sermon to conduct, and I quote, a radical review of what it means to be Christian and to ask themselves what each of them personally could do to determine the future of the city. He said, my heart bleeds for the human family and I do not see light at the end of the tunnel. We live, he said, in a time of unimaginable affluence and in a time when there is a severe poverty of spirit. And then he called on the people in the pews to turn back to the roots of the Christian faith to love. He said that people will have a variety of views, but that he was going to choose to reach his arms as wide as they possibly could reach to embrace all, even those who saw the issues differently than he did. He said, we cannot love God without loving one another. 
But Dr. Bash was not the only one to call for love in that moment. The congregation also did its part. I am told that there was a time when the members of the church board decided to post members of the board around the perimeter of our campus so that if a person who looked different, of different skin color, visited the church, that a member of the board would walk with them into the church to make sure that no one who was uncomfortable with integration would say or do anything that would be unkind to a potential new member. Courage is a byproduct of love. When we love God and when we love one another, we seek ways to hold fast to what is good, to courageously seek the peace of Christ for all of God's children. And you know what? It even takes courage to keep loving those people with whom we vehemently disagree. Some would say that during the 1960s, we as a church did well, and some would say we did far too little, which leads me to the fourth kind of courage. This is the kind of courage that Paul Tillich describes in his book, The Courage to Be. When we come to grips with our own human doubts, our own anxiety, our own nagging, wondering about the meaning of life, when we face the reality that our lives are unacceptable to God, then we are accepted by God. And this is courage. This is the courage of the Creator at work within our flawed and fragile human lives. Tillich writes, do not perform anything, do not intend anything, simply accept the fact that you are accepted. If that happens, grace appears. That is courage. Courage comes finally when our own human courage fails. Perhaps a story tells it better. Just after the attack on Pearl Harbor, a young man from Kansas City named Max flunked his college chemistry class. He went to see the chemistry professor who suggested that Max might consider signing up for the Marine Corps, and so he did. Max turned 21 during boot camp in San Diego. On Mother's Day, he set out on a ship bound towards Japan. He was in the first wave of American soldiers to land on Guadalcanal and the surrounding islands. The Marines quickly found themselves with no supplies, no ammunition, and no food. Max said they cut down all the coconut trees on the island, not very many, and ate them all. And then they discovered that the Japanese soldiers had left behind some bags of worm-infested rice. And they took the liners out of their helmets and they put rice in there and they boiled it seven or eight times until it was edible. They moved from island to island, securing the area. In one battle, Max says, a thousand lives were lost and 2,500 were wounded. Then they moved on to the island of Saipan in the Mariana Islands. Max and his unit huddled together at the base of a mountain. They fell under heavy fire. The next morning, 
only Max and one other soldier walked away unwounded and alive. Max says in the video that he gave to the Marines to describe his experience, I'm just glad God gave me the courage. And Max got it right. Courage, real courage, the courage that gives us life and life eternal is not our courage. It is a gift of God. It is the courage of God, alive in the people of God. Oh, and I forgot to tell you that when he came home, Max's chemistry professor passed him in that class. Grace. Because God loves us, we bear the marks of courageous love. Even Jesus lost courage when he prayed in the garden just before the crucifixion. God, let this cup pass from me. And when he prayed from the cross, into thy hands I commend my spirit. When we fail miserably, when we run out of hope, when we can't even muster the courage to love, God loves us. God embraces us. God encourages us and grants us a home inside of God's holy and precious realm. What dare we do with that legacy of love?